Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Hello, Andrew. Hello there, Edwin. We are trucking right along in the book of Hebrews. I suppose we are. It is Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Or evening. I don't know when anybody's listening to this conversation. It could be actually for them. It could be like June 15th. I don't know. But for us right now, it is May 12th. That's exactly right. The year of our Lord 2022. Here we go. As we continue talking about Hebrews chapter 2, which part are you going to read for us? Yeah, so I've got Hebrews 2. We're going to finish out the chapter in our reading today, verse 10 through 18. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Hebrews 2, beginning in verse number 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly I will sing praise to you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. And as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, he being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Behold, I and the children God has given me. Mm Mm-hmm. A quote from Isaiah this time. Mm-hmm. The other quotes have tended to be from the Psalms. From the Psalms. There were some exceptions in that early chapter. But here in Isaiah 8, 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just I just want to read a little bit of the context of this, beginning in, in Isaiah, Isaiah 8, 16. Okay, great. Bind up the testimony. Seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. When they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. 
this this wow this reference back to Isaiah chapter eight goes along with everything that we've learned from Hebrews chapter two. The Son has a message. Mm-hmm. When the Son came in, the Lord was no longer hiding His face. Mm-hmm. Remember, He's the exact imprint. Right, the, the right. Name, when we see Jesus, we see God. When He comes into the world, He was revealing Himself. God yeah. was revealing Himself. So we're not waiting for anything else. And so, don't go to necromancers and mediums. Don't aqu- don't inquire of the dead, mm-hmm. which of course tells us something about Jesus, doesn't right. it? He's, he's not, not dead. dead. He's not dead. He's alive. He's very much alive. He is risen. And so we need to pay attention to his word. Mm-hmm. This this one little sentence just kind of dropped in here. If we don't go back and, and read where that came from, we miss this powerful point the author of Hebrews is making. He's, I mean, it's like he's taking a hammer and driving this nail home. You've got to listen to Jesus. God has now revealed himself. He is shining his face. He is not hiding his face. Yeah. Listen to the king. Listen to the son. And if you don't, mm-hmm. there's going to be great distress and there's going to be great judgment. If we neglect so great a salvation, uh, what do we think we're going to get? Yeah. You know, one of the things I see emphasized here, uh, along with that quotation from Isaiah, here am I and the children whom God has given me, and as much then as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that Jesus Christ understands that in the uh, mystery and the glory of him coming in flesh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten uh, son of God. That uh, when we talk about suffering and we talk about pain and we talk about hardship or persecutions, he, he knows all of that. He knows all of that. And he's bringing the people, he's bringing the children to God. I, what I love about this picture in Hebrews 2 is that, you know, here's Jesus and who's going with me to life and to glory. And we're invited to be a part of that through the gospel. It's, it's exciting. The other quote is Psalm 22. And that's the psalm that, that many who have been Christians for a time have heard sermons about, and they know about that psalm even if they can't remember our number for it, because it's the one that Jesus quotes on the cross. Mm. My God, God my, my God, God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. And now the Hebrew author brings this exact same psalm, but he goes to the other end of it. Mm-hmm. And where that psalm ends is not, I am forsaken, but it ends with, I have been heard. I have been heard. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass this message along to my fellows, my brothers, my sisters in the congregation of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's us. Yeah. That's us. Yeah. This one who was forsaken has actually now been raised. He's not dead. He is living. Yeah. He is not separated from God. He is in union with God. God has heard his plea. God has heard the cry and he's brought him forth. And now this praise is going to go to these brothers and sisters, even though they are also suffering. Right. Even though they are also suffering. Yeah. That is what this king is going to do. They're able to sing in the midst of the assembly or the midst of the congregation, I will sing praise to you. Uh, And, you know, that is a mark Mm. of the assembly, of the church. We come together and we sing. And we have something to sing about. The great and mighty deeds of God, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It is so important. Repeatedly in our season on the Psalms, mm-hmm. we recognized that where life is, praise is. Mm, where yeah. praise is, life is. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're finding here. 
And yet, there's something in all of this that I have to tell you puzzles me greatly. Yeah, what's that? And it says that this author of our salvation, I think you said, did it say captain of our salvation? Yes, back in verse 10. Yeah, so ESV says founder. I, I think uh, some other translations say author. Maybe I'm mixing some passages. But this founder or captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. I, I struggle perfect with that. Through suffering. Yeah. I struggle with that because when I hear perfect, I immediately think sinless. And I think, well, yeah, but Jesus was sinless. He was sinless from the beginning. He was sinless the whole time. He wasn't yeah. made perfect. He was already perfect. So I'm, I'm struggling with how is he made perfect through suffering if he was already sinless the whole time? Yeah. Well, I, I guess my initial reaction to that is sometimes the word perfect has the idea of completeness or mm-hmm. wholeness. Okay. And so... The cross was also part of his work as Messiah. It wasn't going to be complete, right, until he did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about uh, in, in the Gospel of John where his words are, it is finished. Mm. Yeah. What was it? To tell us die? It's done. It's complete. Yeah. So here's, so, so the, the work so that's is gonna done. that's going to be part of it. My work is done. Yeah. So he's not complete until he has completed mm-hmm. the work. I wonder if, uh, as I was thinking about this before asking the question, it, it occurs to me that same thing. I was thinking about completeness. I was thinking about wholeness and the recognition that Jesus became all that God want, wants him to be yeah, and, and all that we need him to be mm-hmm. through that suffering. Mm-hmm. It's through that suffering that that was completed, yeah. which I think ties into what you're saying yeah. here as you're talking about the, uh, the the work being finished. He became the sacrifice, the savior, the high priest. All of that was completed. He he was made that through this suffering yeah. and crowned with glory and honor, it says, through suffering. It's through this that he becomes king. It's through the suffering and resurrection. And, and I appreciate what you say there about him being all we need him to be, not to get too ahead, but like in verse 17 of our reading today, he's the faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Um, you know, my, my understanding of the word of propitiation is that this is the idea of a sacrifice of appeasement or a sacrifice of satisfaction. Okay, so it's the idea of paying a price. Um, he did that. Which ties, by himself, with himself, and we needed that. Ties to what we were talking about yesterday, that he tasted death for everyone. Exactly. So that we, we don't have to experience that because he experienced that. Yeah. Uh, tying, tying this together with what he says in John 8, 51 and 52. So we find that propitiation, uh, that, that fact that the wrath of God is mm-hmm. dismissed and dispersed because of this sacrifice yeah. of Jesus. For, not for his sins, but for the sins of the people, yeah. for our sins. For our sins. He made, and back to Hebrews chapter 1, the first couple of verses, after he made purification for our sins, mm-hmm. he sat down at the right hand of God on high. So he is perfected, he is completed, his mission is accomplished, mm-hmm. his work is done, he has become all we need him to be, he has become all God had planned for him, he is perfected. It's not that he's made sinless by this, mm-hmm. it's not that there was some sin and that had to be punished out of him and now that's taken care of and he's now perfectly sinless, that's just what he was. But it's through this suffering yeah. and it's through this obedience uh, of of even going to the point of suffering and death in obedience to the Father, that He is completed, His work is completed. So that's very helpful. So, so is is maybe one of the things to take away here, or at least something to contemplate for a minute, is 
to what degree will we suffer or is suffering required that we be Christians? You know, should, should we be surprised that following Jesus does cost suffering if Jesus himself suffered? I think we need to recognize that. Our King and Savior, you know, there's a lot of times we come to some passage or some teaching and I want to say to myself, well, I know it can't mean that. That would be painful. God would never expect me to have to go through anything suffering like that. And yet here's the son, mm-hmm. here's the king, here's mm-hmm. the savior. And what what did he go through? He was perfected through suffering. How do I think I'm going to be perfected? Mm. How do I think I'm going to become complete and whole and mature? It's going to be through suffering. Yeah, I, And I need to be prepared for that. However, notice because of his suffering, he was exalted with glory and honor. And I think what I have to remember is that whatever suffering, and I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, you mentioned the persecution that the Christians were going through, the suffering, that might make it easy for them to back off. Well, surely God doesn't expect this. Right. Uh, But what what they had to hang on to is glory and exaltation comes on the other side of suffering, and I'm going to hang on to it because it's going to be worth it. Persecution has been a, a... I guess, a purifying crucible of the church from age to age, you know, and to get into uh, church history a little bit. But what you see is, and, and I tend to think the devil is behind it, but persecution will drive out the fakers. It'll drive out the hypocrites. They're not willing to pay the price. Um, and and it's terrifying to think that one day we may be called upon to hold fast to confession, even at terrible personal cost, uh, even at the cost of death. But that is not outside the purview of the commitment we make as Christians. When the Lord teaches us in the book of Revelation, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. That's not until, meaning until you die by whatever reason, although we would want that type of faithfulness, but unto, meaning up to and including, you will give your life for the confession, for the cause, for me, and I will be faithful to you. I'll never leave you, no matter what. You don't leave me or forsake me, mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you know the the first recipients of this letter to the Hebrews, I think they were, I think they were experiencing a little more fire and a little more trial at that moment. Well, than I am today. Well, we're actually going to see the same principle repeatedly throughout this letter. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about this over the next. 12 weeks mm-hmm. again and again mm-hmm. and again. Let's go ahead and wrap up today. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us an email with whatever you're learning, what you're getting out of the reading, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer. Glorious God, thank you for the love you have shown us. Thank you for this letter that is helping us know your son and recognize the superiority, the exclusivity. Lord, help us take the message to others that to to help them recognize that if they ignore this message of salvation, it is not going to be pleasant. And yet, even if we go through suffering in this life, it will perfect us and lead us to a crown of glory there with your son as his brothers and sisters. Help us to hang on to that and always keep our eyes on Jesus and on that prize that he has won for us by his suffering. Lord God, we love you so very much. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. 
Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.